Giannis would go to Alex's practices and coach the team. You know, can you imagine an NBA player with their schedule coaching a high school team and Giannis is going around giving advice to the 16th man? It's just a different type of bond. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Burners and Basketball podcast. We are so excited to have a very special guest with us today. But before we do that, let me go ahead and remind you of the basics. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Burners and B-Ball. Email us, burnersandbasketball at gmail.com and hashtag burner take for any hot takes you might have. Okay, might I add that episode 21, a day after I turned 21, is kind of poetic. Um, anyways, <laughs> so today, Adam, why don't you go ahead and introduce our wonderful guest, who I'm so excited about. Yes, today we have Mirren Fader, author of Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. Uh, Mirren also does great work for The Ringer, has written for Bleacher Report in the past. Uh, Mirren, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, like, obviously, this is like the main thing you've heard recently, but how <laughs> how insane is it of the timing of this book? Because this is a book you've been working on for how long? Yeah, I pitched the book in 2019. So I definitely did not write it like the week before the finals. <laughs> literally, literally. So what was that like? Like watching? Did you like feel like you kind of knew that the Bucks, you believed in the Bucks more after having studied Giannis so closely? Or what was that like? You know, a big part of the book is actually the Bucks' struggles all these years. Like, I took it way back to the inception when people were like, I doubt basketball can even work in the city of Milwaukee. And, you know, Giannis' rookie year winning 15 games and just the horrible decade of the 90s. So for me, the perspective is one that Bucks fans have, which is hopeful worry, which is like always hoping that you'll do well, but always worried, always expecting disappointment. So I absolutely did not think they would get to the finals, let alone win <laughs> championship. So I was surprised as anyone. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the most convenient thing ever, of course, like the best timing, but obviously. So what drew, like the whole world these last few weeks has been falling in love with Giannis these last few months. Um, what initially drew you into him before, you know, maybe he was the sweetheart of the NBA? Like, what was it that initially made you say, like, this is the guy, this is the guy I want to tell his story? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I did a profile on Giannis and his youngest brother, Alex, for Bleacher Report, where I previously worked. And I spent the day with them. And just being in their home, I just saw all these different sides of Giannis that I really hadn't seen. You know, he hadn't won an MVP award at that point in 2019. And so the only thing I really heard about him was like, look at his freakish athleticism, look at his body, such a gifted athlete. And I didn't really hear about all of those like tender sides and the charismatic sides that, you know, you just mentioned, but that's what I saw when I was there. I was just like, oh my gosh, he's so nurturing. Like, look at the way he is with his brother and his mom. And I just thought like, how is this guy on the verge of superstardom? And we know like nothing about him. You know, I felt like, okay, I know he sold trinkets on the street and then he becomes a superstar. Ooh, okay. So what happened in between? So that, that's why I wanted to do the book. Yeah. Uh, so my my first question is, what was kind of the biggest misconception that you had about Giannis before you got to know him through the process of writing this book that 
through your reporting and writing, you found out was maybe not exactly what you thought? Well, I think because Giannis loves Greece so much and is constantly professing his love for Greece, I just assumed that the relationship was pretty reciprocal in the sense that he'd be fully embraced as a national hero in Greece, but he's actually still to this day, as much as he's accomplished and as much as he's, you know, professed his love for his home country, a target of racism. And, you know, just seeing murals of his over there desecrated with swastikas was just, you know, it wasn't entirely shocking because that sort of thing is not unique to Europe or America for sure. But I just, you know, I, I learned more about the deep seated racism in, embedded into this country and how even their most prideful athlete, one of the greats of all time in the world, um, is still not shielded from that. Yeah, that's, it reminds me of that quote LeBron said once when he had a slur like spray painted on his right. wall. He's like, you can be the most successful, most famous person and there's just no escaping the racism. Um, you actually, we actually initially, uh, Mirren and I came into contact because <laughs> I made a video like, kind of fed up about people mispronouncing Giannis's name and I know a lot of people are like come on who cares it's a it's a long name but it, it's rooted in a sort of xenophobia and racism and laziness and I'm sure you dealt with that a lot so what is your opinion on that totally I dm'd you and I was like oh my gosh thanks for making this like this is something that upsets me and so I'm really glad that I dm'd you because <laughs> I you know, of course, it's lovely to meet you here, but it's just a conversation that not a lot of people are having. And I definitely have a section in the book about this, about how um, really it is so racist to do this with his name and to continue in 2021 to make videos of can you pronounce his name mm -hmm. as, a, as a joke, you know, like in 2021, yes. like, you know, like I, I give leeway to the 2013 to 14 era, like, okay, Absolutely. get it. Like he has a really long name, but to this point, a two-time MVP, a person that is going to go down as a hall of famer and we're cracking jokes about can you pronounce his name i don't see us doing that with luca or other white foreign players so you know it's just really upsetting and it's also just awkward like so i recorded the audiobook for um for the book and the producer was like that's so interesting you pronounce his last name like that i've heard it like this that and the third and the other and i'm like you know, everyone mispronounces it in their own way. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's real. I was really pleased that you did that video. So thanks for doing yeah. that. And you know what? It's not like anyone who mispronounces his name is just some awful person, right? But right. but what is just awful is the, is the jokes out of it, right? Like, right. we're not even going to try. We're not even going to try to announce. Like, I saw Jimmy Kimmel did a segment recently. I was like, come on, really? After he wins the championship? Yeah. Um, it's the segment it's making a game out of it that that's when it's problematic exactly exactly but I was curious like something that I've been super like fascinated in about Giannis maybe my favorite thing is his brothers I think that's like one of the most beautiful things ever and you know you see a lot of commentary like oh Giannis isn't friends with other guys in the league they don't like Giannis obviously there's not truth to a lot of what they're saying but it really does seem like he has this so such a special relationship with his brothers that those are 
those are really like his his closest friends. So what what did you learn about those relationships and like how did that touch you throughout the process? Right. So one of my favorite moments reporting this was I was in their home and I was talking with Alex, the youngest brother, and we're like, you know, an hour or two in and his phone rings and he picks it up and he starts talking in Greek. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then after I was like, who is that? You know, just being curious. He's like, oh, that's my brother. And I was like, oh, really? Like, which one? And he's like, oh, it's Giannis. And I was like, isn't he upstairs? Cause we were in their home and we were in the basement. He's like, yeah, Giannis was just checking on me to make sure my interview was going okay. You know, and it's just like the most adorable. Right. And I just think it's just a level of closeness and, you know, it is to the point where Giannis would go to Alex's practices and coach the team. You know, can you imagine an NBA player with their schedule coaching a high school team and Giannis is going around giving advice to the 16th man. It's just a different type of bond. Like I think, you know, we are all well aware of the difficulties they had growing up together in terms of like poverty and things like that. But there was real joy. You know, Giannis had a really happy childhood in a lot of ways because that was his normal. And so him and his brothers went everywhere. They made a joke out of everything. They would make fun of each other and, you know, push each other on the way walking to buses. They had to take bus after bus after bus to get to where they needed to go. And it's such a lovely, beautiful, genuine thing because it's like, as Alex told me, there was no arguments between them because they shared everything. Nobody got anything individual to them. So it's not like normal siblings that fight or have problems. Every Everybody shared the same pair of socks and shoes. And so, you know, they've kept that to this day. And um, just lastly, I'll say like, you know, Giannis, of course, this whole time has wanted to win a championship, right? He's wanted to do that. He's wanted to be an MVP, but the goal that he keeps most near and dear to his heart is to have all his brothers make the NBA and win a championship. And now seeing Alex, the youngest one in a couple of workouts for NBA teams is just, I know Giannis is just over the moon. Uh, we talked about, you know, the misconceptions that people have about Giannis. Uh, when you started this whole process, obviously it's a massive undertaking. Were you kind of hoping to accomplish something as far as like showing people who he really is and kind of getting rid of that mystique? Yeah, I really love sports writing because I feel like we don't necessarily always look at athletes as people, as human beings. And so whether I'm doing my long form stories or now a book, like my my goal is always that when the reader finishes, they have a sense of what a person is like. And yes, you know, I want to get into the basketball. There's tons of basketball stuff in this book, how he develops from scrawny toothpick into chiseled Greek God, for sure. But most of it is is human because I just find that so interesting and compelling. And I think what happens to somebody off the court influences everything that happens on the court. And with Giannis, he's just been such a mystery. It's like, he's he's probably the most intriguing, compelling guy in the NBA. And yet we have like so little information about him. So my yeah. goal, is just like bring that human because you can see when, when he says something really prophetic or even goofy, like the response is just so enormous. Like there's never been a higher hunger to know, like how, what shaped this guy? How did he become like this? You know? Yeah. So yes. her book, for those of you don't, that don't know, um, will officially be able to be purchased everywhere Tuesday, August 10th. I know I will be purchasing it, but before, so we haven't read it, um, before everyone has access to it, I wanted to know if there was a specific little tidbit or thing that you learned that was just your favorite. Cause 
I also like to write. And, so, and oftentimes, you know, my favorite isn't necessarily the thing that most people are going to pick up on. Yeah. So my favorite anecdote in the piece um, involves Oreos. So Giannis, um, he was really distrustful of people growing up because he was undocumented in Greece. And even though he was born in Greece, they didn't offer birthright citizenship. So basically he was, he and his parents were always under this threat of being deported. And so that allowed them to not make friends easily or trust people easily. So he was always like very suspicious of people. So when he gets to America, it's early on in his rookie year, he has to get his cable TV installed. And he doesn't want to be alone when this happens because he has no idea the intentions of this cable installation guy. So he's like, I need a buck staffer there to make me feel comfortable. So this buck staffer who I talked to and I got this anecdote from, he, um, he went and it took a really long time. It was like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And the staffer is like really hungry. So he goes into Giannis's kitchen and he sees a cookie jar full of Oreos and he, he eats a couple and he's like, doesn't think anything of it. He's like, whatever. Giannis sees him the next day of practice and he's like a little agitated. And Giannis is like, hey, like, did you eat my Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> and the staffer is like, um, you know, and he's like trying to stall. And then Giannis is like, well, I noticed three were missing. So, oh my God. And, the, and the guy was like, I'm so sorry, you know, and, but he couldn't believe it because who does that, right? Who counts their Oreos? But then it really made sense because of course Giannis counts his Oreos. He's so used to having nothing and being yeah. without. And so he always has to know how much is left. So it doesn't matter that he signed a million dollar contract. He's still the child that is, is insecure about whether he will have enough. And you know, I just love that anecdote so much because it just illustrates how difficult it was for Giannis to adapt. And I think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but back in 2013 and 14, that rookie year, I was like really kind of like falling in love with his personality. And he looked like he was having so much fun and oh my gosh, smoothies. And he just looked like he was having the time of his life and laughing. Right. But deep down, he was dealing with things like this that are really hard and really hard for people to understand if they haven't walked the path that he has. So I just feel like that anecdote just like really, really hit me hard. Yeah. Um, I'll let Adam ask the last question. But before he does, I'm, I just have to pick your brain. Um, so Giannis, obviously, like we're, we've been discussing, he comes from virtually nothing. Um, do you feel like him staying faithful to the Bucks who are like a small market team and, you know, not, he doesn't feel maybe the same urge that other people do to go to Los Angeles or New York. Like, do you feel like that is rooted in his upbringing? I think a little bit for sure. I mean, he, he always had to keep a tight circle growing up, like we just talked about. And I think when he saw how the Milwaukee organization was his tight circle when he got there, he wanted to repay that. You know, it was different than your typical like GM player situation. John Hammond, the GM at the time, was always there for him, you know, like drove him places, taught him how to drive, you know, that they, they looked after him like a son. They had his parents over for pizza. They gave the mom a key to the gym. It's, it's a very tight-knit special bond that you just do not see in the modern NBA. And I think that that Giannis being able to trust people that show that they're there for him is something he had to learn really early on in his childhood. And I think because he also grew up watching his parents have to work really, really hard, 
He just respects the city of Milwaukee because it is a blue collar place where people have to work backbreaking hours. And I think he, he just respected the character of this city. Mm-hmm. And I think the city just respected his character because he wasn't like Zion, you know, crowned at th- age 13. It took him years to develop. So yeah. I think that that was all of these factors were for sure part of the decision. That's so wonderful. I mean, Adam knows that that's like the best thing for me to hear ever because I'm obsessed with how small small market success. I'm a Memphis Grizzlies fan myself from go. Memphis, which is a blue collar town. So I, I mean, it's freaking awesome. But for sure. So you've been a features writer for a long time, and this is obviously your first book. So I'm curious, kind of the biggest difference between the process of writing a feature story versus obviously putting together an entire book. Yeah, you know, at first I was like, okay, now I have to like do this. You know, I got the book deal. Right. <laughs> I was right. like, okay, don't know how to do this first timer here. But then I realized it's like the best metaphor I have for the difference is like same language, different dialect. You know, you're working with infinitely number amount of information. You know, I interviewed 221 people for this book. I wow. had and binders. I feel so bad for the environment right now. I had to print all this stuff to keep it in front of me. And normally with a feature, you know, I try to interview between 15 and 30 people for every story, which is a lot, but it's not compared to like over 200, you know? And so I think the hardest thing is organization. You know, it's like, how do you take all this stuff that you learned and put it in a cohesive book, you know, and, and, and separate it by chapters. And so I, I think the biggest thing I learned was don't look at the book, like, okay, I have to write 120,000 words. Cause that's so daunting. But if you say it's going to be 15 chapters, that's essentially 15 long form stories. Like I would do at my normal job. That's more manageable. I think also you're bad. You're, you're really fighting for the reader's attention, you know, like people, if they don't like the first paragraph, they're putting down the book. I have met people that rally to page 50 and to see whether they put down a book that is generous. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't like a book on page three, I'm sorry, I'm not continuing. So I think there is just more pressure to make the reader want to keep going. You're almost like baiting them. You're like, you know, right. with your words, you're like dropping little candies to, so to say. So that was really hard. I'll have to say that's hard. You're sustaining attention for 300 pages. Did you like, think you were done like multiple times before you were actually done <laughs> well I okay this is the biggest thing I was like oh my god I don't know if he's gonna stay or leave Milwaukee so I'm just gonna leave oh that up there <laughs> I don't know how to end the book and then luckily he decides to stay um and makes that known in December spoiler my- alert right <laughs> all right guys if you haven't heard there's he, he decided to stay um and you know it was due in March so I was like okay at least I know that but there were definitely times where I was like I'm just how do I connect these things? You know, mm-hmm. like, it's not like you start in childhood and like, you never return to these concepts that you introduce there, right? Like the Oreo thing is very much a tie back to the childhood section. So it's like, how do you keep us in our present tense in Milwaukee, in this Oreo situation, but make that connection to what Absolutely. you had earlier, right? So it's just, it's a, like I said, organization was such a beast. I think I redid this book like three different ways. Um, thank God it's over, right? Like, <laughs> how are you feeling though? It comes out freaking so soon. Like, is it, is it exciting, scary? What is oh it like? Gosh. 
yes, I'm feeling so many emotions. Like, of course I'm excited, but I'm totally scared and I'm just nervous, but happy, joyous, freaking out, you know, like it's, it's kind of out of body. You're seeing people pick up your book and you're like, okay, did I write that? Like, who wrote Yeah. It's like so bizarre. Absolutely. And And like, Giannis gave you the best promo he could have given by winning um, (laughs) the championship. So my friend's like, can you write about my favorite player so we can win? (laughs) Literally. That's funny. I'm like, actually, guys, I had no idea. <laughs> I think I think you need to write about Ben Simmons for Adam. You know what? Oh God, that <laughs> one might not go as planned. Adam, can we just manifest a Ben profile? Because I've been wanting to do that profile since forever, and he intrigues, oh God, he intrigues me so much. I think it would be fascinating. It'll never happen. That right? that's that's very interesting. I whenever people ask like if you could interview or profile, I mean I don't do that for a living, but I have an interest in it. One right. player. I never, I always think of players like Ben Simmons who are just yes. more like, you know, enigmas, right? Like not yes. just the obvious. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Ben is a very mysterious guy and unfortunately very closed off. Uh, um, I wish it wasn't that way and we could have some long feature stories on him, but so far we've been unlucky. Maybe, maybe I'll crack the case. I, uh... yeah. If anyone can do it, it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's much more interesting to talk about failure than success. So I, I really think that would be so Maybe fun. don't start with that when you reach out. You know, maybe tell him I want to talk about his failures. Maybe that's not great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the perfect selling point, but we can work yeah. on that. Um, hey ben, I want to talk to you about your jump shot. God. Hey ben, um, I know that like life is like really rough right now, but I was just wondering if you want to like have a chat. Yeah, he's so, that's like that. That's like that Ray, Rachel Nichols question. Right, right. How does it feel? It's like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Um, God, this was so fun. We are so glad that you were able to talk to us. Um, seriously, you're awesome. I'm even more excited now to read this book. Uh, before you go, let everyone know again where to find it, what to expect, just final words, where yeah. to follow you on everything. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was such a delight. Like, thank you for responding to my DM. <laughs> it was very fun. And um, yes, yeah, so Tuesday, you can find it anywhere, whether it's an independent seller or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Clearly, Barnes & Noble has it out right now. I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing, but it is out. And um, I hope you like it. I put in a lot of work, so I just, I'd appreciate it if you pick up a copy. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone knows that I'm 21 now, Summer League is just around the corner and I will do a shot in honor of Adam because he is not of age. I would never drink before reaching the age of 21. Just yeah. Never. Yeah. Um, I, I had my first sip of alcohol yesterday. Um, on my you had never birthday. tried it before. Totally brand new experience for you. No, it was, it was, it was cool. I liked it. Um, yeah. Don't drink kids. Anyways, <laughs> basketball. So Adam and I have kind of like, low-key disappeared recently um we've been busy we've been making moves in our personal lives meanwhile the nba is like crumbling so we kind of have a lot of ground to cover wouldn't you say adam yes we do we do so adam and i have not recorded a podcast since the draft um and here we are, and a lot has happened since the draft, which is good because, like, okay, here, let's all be honest with each other. There's so many podcasts out there that cover the draft and will give you the most, like, expert analysis of the draft. And this maybe just isn't that podcast, and that's okay. 
Adam, I'm yeah. waiting for you do to like, Do you want me to by. say something here? Sure, like, yeah. I'm just waiting for you to be like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what Molly like. said is right. Totally Like, it's agree. been covered. Like, we're here to, like, cover maybe the things that are not being talked about as much. Like, Jonas Valanciunas being traded away from the Grizzlies. Um, it's been a minute, but that happened. I loved JV. I love JV. That was very interesting. Um, the people online told me that it was an okay move, but... Here we are a few weeks later. Grizzlies got the 10th pick out of it. And we picked Zaire Williams. Uh, very, very interesting pick. Adam, what was he, what was your opinion on that pick? Uh, Zaire seems like a really good shooter. You could definitely yeah. use that. He's very young. Um, I'm also a big fan of Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. Uh, so I get why you're bummed out that they traded him, but... Uh, I do think moving up that was huge for for y'all, and uh, I think it's fine. You know, I, I would have, of course, in a perfect world, you'd still have JV, but uh, you know, sometimes you got to move on from players, even the ones that are good. Okay, I've kind of like a weird opinion about this, but I just feel like JV is so freaking good, and I feel like we could have gotten more value for him if we had waited to trade him like during the season. Because think about like how many teams are either going to be short a big man or maybe their big man's hurt. And like JV is one of the best options you're going to get. Yeah. Like think no, about the other big men that get shopped around the league. Like you constantly have Andre Drummond, like mm. Dwight Howard. Like, no, JV is significantly better than anyone else that would be on the market. And I just feel like in a moment of desperation, the Grizzlies could have gotten a very good um, package for him. I think but. that's a good point, and I think you could be right. Uh, yeah. Thank I you. mean, JV's awesome. Uh, truly one of the more underrated players in the league, I think, at this point. Um, he is. To, in my eyes, he was the best player on the Grizzlies last year. Um, I'm a huge fan. Uh, yeah, like, I think that's, like, a popular thing to say. And he was definitely our most consistent player during the regular season. At times, I said he was our best player. Um Overall, obviously, Jaw is our best player, but JV really was um, at a lot of points, and he will be greatly missed. Lord, carry I him now. I still just, like, I'm a little bit unsure. Uh, I know that everyone else is smarter than me, right? Everyone, well, this is why this works out, but I don't know, man. Like, kinda It's sucks. a bummer. You're allowed yeah, to be bummed bummer. out. Um. I don't know. I guess Steven Adams. <laughs> I had to delete some tweets um, that I had said about Steven Adams when the Grizzlies played them in OKC. But I guess I have already gotten over the sadness of losing him. I'm a little bit bummed that I have to see him in a Pelicans jersey because like, uh, but it's OK. Yeah, I guess Zion playing with JV is not the most ideal thing for you. Okay, uh, Zion doesn't bother me. The Pelicans bother me. Okay, well, even even more so then. Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, I, I really like JV. I know you do too, and you obviously have seen him a lot more than I have. Uh, but yeah, it was that was the first like real big move that we got. Uh, yeah, and then the Grizzlies exciting. were like, "All right, that was it. Bye. See yeah. you next year." Um, speaking of trades, uh, the one that we should talk about even more because it was probably the biggest move of this all season is Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. Yeah, that did happen. That it? one came out of nowhere. Cause it looked like the Lakers were about to trade for buddy healed. 
And like one person said that it was going to be Buddy Healed, and then the other person, I forget who, was like, uh, actually they're trading they're trading for uh, for Russell Westbrook. Uh, Molly, what are your thoughts on on Westbrook going to the Lakers? Oh my god, putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think the direction the Lakers are going on this free agency offseason is very interesting. They're grabbing. They're kind of pulling like a Brooklyn Nets earlier in the season and grabbing a bunch of big names, uh, a bunch of guys that are perhaps a little bit older. I think that obviously it's like been discussed a lot about the spacing and how that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's just weird. It's so weird because like Russell Westbrook is this like enigma of a player because we constantly see how wonderful he is, but at the same time he's thrown onto a new roster like every other day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, I think four teams in four years for him. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's going to be weird. Um, I guess my big thing is like, well, of course, if all these guys like stay healthy and play wonderfully, yeah, that'll be great. But I don't know. It's almost yeah. like what? Like, OK, what? You know? Yeah, no, it's it's a really weird team. Uh, we've been lucky over the years with LeBron on the Lakers now to get very bizarre teams around yeah. him that are going to be very entertaining. Um, the Lakers signed like everyone known to man over the last week. Absolutely. Um, That's why I'm just like, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see. Cause like we were so used to Westbrook being the guy who always had the ball and then he goes and plays with Paul George and it's like, Oh, it's Paul George better than Westbrook. Maybe they're kind of one a and one B and then he goes and plays with James Harden and Bradley Beal where he's the number two guy. And now behind, you know, uh, why am I forgetting their names? Uh, who was Russell Westbrook, LeBron James and Anthony (laughs) Davis. Um, You know, that's that's a whole different kind of environment for Westbrook. So I'm excited to see what it looks like. I don't know, it reminds me of like that Dwight Howard and like Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Yeah, the SI cover. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it should work because those are great players. But what? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it like. Winning basketball games is about so much more than just how much talent you have on your roster. And like just talent wise, the Lakers clearly have a better big three than anyone else. But I'm not sure that those guys are all going to fit together perfectly. I'm sure they're going to win a ton of games because they have great players. But I don't think, you know, by any no, means I mean, they're like a lock to win the to win the finals or win the West or anything like you have okay, to fill I mean, out a good team surrounding those guys. And they have some interesting pieces, but, you know, they've lost guys too. um, so, yeah, it's going to be a weird team, and I'm kind of excited to watch it, even though watching Russell Westbrook just gives me anxiety. Yeah, I mean, like, they're going to come out, and there's so many factors here. Westbrook is on a new team, figuring out a new offense. LeBron obviously was not 100% really towards the end of the season. Uh, AD has struggled with injuries as well. They didn't play together for that long um, last season towards the end, so... They're not going to be good off the bat, but so there's going to be some really fun hot takes on Twitter. Hashtag burner take. Um, I don't know. I just feel like people need to be patient. Did I just speak? What did I just say? Be patient. Oh, I thought I like totally like stuttered those words. Um, sorry, guys. I'm tired. But yeah, we'll see. That's cool. I think that the Bulls are doing a lot of cool things. Um, yes, they are. Yeah, tell us what they've done, Adam. Uh, they signed Lonzo Ball uh, in a sign and trade with the Pelicans. Uh, they also got Alex Caruso from the Lakers. 
who everybody <laughs> seems to love these days. Add DeMar DeRozan, who was awesome for the Spurs last year. Uh, probably should have made the All-Star game. I don't believe he did, but, uh, you know, it's cool because they have, you know, Zach Levine, who's emerged as a star caliber player, and they didn't have much else around him. And all of a sudden, they have Nick Vucevic, who they traded for at the deadline last year. They have Lonzo Ball. They have DeMar DeRozan. The Bulls are going to be a real playoff contender now, uh, and that was not something they could say before. So I'm definitely very excited to watch what that team looks like. Yeah, that. I mean, uh, they just they did so well. Like I typically am not super impressed by teams uh, in the offseason, but I really like every single thing that they did. I was excited to see whoever picked up Lonzo. I've I've liked Lonzo, and I've also been kind of unsure about like why New Orleans seemed to think he was just not it. Yeah. Um, it's very odd. It's very odd. I think that like he could really thrive in a different environment, and I think he will thrive in a different environment. And I think that what what stuck out to me like so much is does it feel like these guys like throughout the league are just getting paid like more yeah. than ever? I don't know. I feel like the money is just flying. Yeah, I mean, DeRozan got I think eighty five million. Caruso got like thirty six. Lonzo got. I think like eighty five. Duncan I Robinson say. got like Duncan a, Robinson got mm, ninety. Wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The money has been flying, which is fun to watch, especially when, like us, we we follow teams that haven't been spending that much, so we can kind of just sit back and relax and watch everyone spend so much money, and we don't have to worry about whether or not it's actually the right decision. Um, so, so I saw a report today that was like, and again, I don't know if it's confirmed. Like a report, but we all know reports during trade season need to be taken with a grain of salt. It was like yeah. Ben Simmons has not been talking to anyone. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. Do you know anything about that? Or are you allowed to tell us more about that? Um, what's, what's the I will choose my words carefully. Uh, ben Simmons is ready to move on. Um, that much I can say for sure <laughs> without being cryptic in any way. Um, without being what? Without being cryptic. I said that. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just okay. waiting for you to keep talking. So oh, okay. give us more tea. Yeah, I I I'm not gonna uh, you know, spill the tea as the kids say. Um You're literally seventeen. I'm nineteen. I'm not literally <laughs> seventeen. I'm literally nineteen. Okay. Um anyways, uh it's it seems like the Sixers are ready to move on and it definitely seems like Ben Simmons is ready to move on. And that's, you know, that's not me breaking any news. I think Woj has reported that. Um, Why is Daryl like out here trying to? Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah it's very <laughs> odd. Uh, seemingly Daryl Morey is asking for everyone world, on every team. Yeah. Um, we'll see if, you know, it's like, it's like the guy in your fantasy football league who offers you ridiculous trades over and over. Um, yeah, totally. Hate but when that happens. <laughs> you you totally know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like all sides are ready to move on. Um, I don't know about that whole Ben and Bead thing, whether that's true or not. I I can't confirm that. Um, but okay. I can I can confirm that the relationship, if it's not broken, it's close to broken. Uh, you can confirm that. Yeah. There. It's the Sixers are ready to move on. I know. And Ben Simmons seems even more ready to move on. I um, would be I would be ready to move on if I were Ben Simmons. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, every player has their own priorities and some guys it's just I want to win a championship at all costs, but some guys it's about, you know, like I want to play 
in, in a place with a nice climate or I want to play with teammates who I happen to like or whatever the case may be. And maybe Ben is just like, I want to go somewhere where I can chill and I can be me and like I don't have 30,000 fans and two giant radio stations like, you know, trashing me after every poor performance. And I don't blame him if that's his state of mind. He probably uh, will have that to some extent. But I mean, I think just like his teammates and maybe his like coach like turning on him a little. Yeah. Um, I mean, Doc Rivers, like throughout the whole year, whenever like us in the media would bring up uh, something about Ben not shooting, Doc Rivers would always talk about like, you guys make too big of a deal out of this. It doesn't actually matter. This, that and the other. And then after they lost game seven to the Hawks in the game where Ben passed up the wide open dunk uh, to pass to Batiste Thibault. Somebody asked, like, can Ben Simmons be the point guard of a championship team? And Doc Rivers said, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that that was kind of the start of it. And now it seems like uh, Ben and the Sixers are not in a great place, even as they kind of work together to make a trade happen. Um, it, ju- it seems like all parties involved are ready to move on. Uh, that, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, you know, woes or shams. I don't have like all the scoops on anything, but I do know that both sides are, are pretty ready to move forward. Shout out to Woj, my friend. Molly's boy. Yeah. No, actually, I like think we're friends. I think he respects me. He just it's he wants to show it in a funny way. It's a love hate relationship, perhaps. It is. He he checks up on me. I was blocked. <laughs> I was unblocked twice. Here we are. Um speaking of parties. We <laughs> wow. I know you said the word party in the last like 30 words you said. Yeah, yes. I was referring to the Sixers and Ben Simmons as two different parties. I was I not know, talking about that. I know, and then it reminded me of parties, like and it reminded me of how Adam and I are both going to be in Vegas, and the next episode you hear will be a us in person. Oh, wow, that's true, isn't it? I totally didn't realize that. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, very. We're going to be at the awesome Blue Wire studio in Vegas that's all set up. Hopefully. Um, Yeah, that's the plan, at least. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Molly's getting there a few days before me, but we're going to overlap for a few days, so at least one in-person podcast should be coming next week. Yeah, or at least like a selfie. We'll get in a selfie for sure. (laughs) Yeah, so that's very exciting. Um, I guess for now, we just continue to watch the free agency, see what happens. Uh, Like we said, we're not really going to get too into the draft because that's not our specialty. We have are also the time kind of passed like you guys we were busy i was moving from la to memphis like come on like no one actually wants to hear if we think it's crazy that josh giddy got drafted at seven like i love josh giddy by the way it's been done yeah oh really i do yes i'm a fan of josh giddy i don't know if you're a fan of his or not, i'm but. like not anything of him like we'll see okay yeah, I'm a fan of Josh. Giddey. I don't like want to hate on like anyone in the draft. I don't know. Yeah, it is like a- it is awkward, especially now that like we're the same ages as these guys yeah, who are getting it's drafted. Like- it's just weird to think like that someone my age is like having every part of their game being like yeah micro. and it's like they haven't done anything yet in the league so how am i gonna stay here and be like no nah, he's trash like he's right like, and then and then you feel bad for like the guys who get taken earlier than people expected because then it's like oh that was a reach this guy's gonna be a bust blah 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 it's all very uncomfortable i know uh, there's definitely you know there's there's a 
there's a group of people who tend to do that, which I find to be not great. Um, but for the most part, I think people do a good job of kind of balancing the, uh, you know, analyzing someone's basketball game without, you know, totally going off on them and being unprofessional or anything. That's just like a weird tangent that I had, but that's yeah, something that's that always was, bothered okay. me. Okay. That was cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so like as much as I would love to sit here and listen to Adam's weird tangents all day, we have a very special guest that is coming up shortly who is endlessly more interesting than Adam or That's I. Right. So let's let's go to that. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Thank you everyone so much. <laughs> Thank you everyone so much for listening to episode 21 of the Burners in Basketball podcast. Next time you hear us, we will be in Vegas together. Very exciting. But before we go, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Burners and B-Ball. Email us, burnersandbasketball at gmail.com and hashtag burner take with any hot takes you may have. All right. See you soon. Yeah.